0: God has used suffering in such powerful ways to work on my heart and my brain and my habits. And um, it's such a gift from Him. I would not go back and, and change any of those seasons because of the fruit and the beauty that's come out of them.
1: Welcome to Building Relationships with Dr. Gary Chapman, author of the New York Times bestseller, The Five Love Languages. Today, if you're going through a season of suffering and you want to do more than simply get through it, author Colleen Chow will share her story of hope and faith in the midst of deep struggle. Don't miss the conversation straight ahead.
2: Today, we begin our Summer Best Of series for July and August with a conversation with Colleen Chow. Her book is titled, In the Hands of a Fiercely Tender God, 31 Days of Hope, Honesty, and Encouragement for the Sufferer. Believe me, there's somebody you know who needs to hear the conversation we're gonna have straight ahead and hear Colleen's message too. Find out more about the book at buildingrelationships.us, buildingrelationships.us. Gary, you've walked through some deep water with family members and people in your church through the years. Suffering comes to all of us, doesn't it?
3: Well, it does, Chris. You know, it can be physical, it can be emotional. Uh, it can be broken relationships. It can be a loss of job. I mean, you know, life is filled with uh, with difficult situations that bring a lot of pain. Uh, I think any of our listeners are going to identify with our topic today. And uh, so I, I really am excited that we're able to do this uh, with someone who has walked the journey. Yeah.
2: Well, as we get started with this conversation, I just want to remind you, we reached out to Colleen in May of last year and had this conversation. So some of the information we're going to talk about is a little bit dated, but I want you to hear her voice. Colleen Chow, C-H-A-O, has written extensively about finding God's goodness in the unexpected chapters of her life, including singleness, chronic illness, and now terminal cancer, She's worked as an editor and writer, an English teacher. Her featured resource is her book, In the Hands of a Fiercely Tender God. You can find out more about it at buildingrelationships.us,
3: buildingrelationships.us. Well, Colleen, welcome to Building Relationships.
0: Oh, thank you so much, Gary. It's an honor and joy to be with you this morning.
3: I'm excited for our listeners to hear your story today. So tell us about uh, Colleen as a little girl. I mean, what were your hopes and dreams in those years?
0: Hmm. Well, I was a big dreamer, <laughs> so I had a long hmm. list of dreams, um, and a few of those included becoming a, a pastor, a missionary's wife, and having kids, and um, I, I just was a big Big thinker, big dreamer. So I thought I would have a big influence. Even at a young age, I started um, desiring to do things that would influence people. And um, so, yeah. But the big, the biggest ones were being a wife and a mom.
3: Yeah, and I think many women can identify with that. You know, mm. and for some, that is a reality. For others, that never really works out for them. Yeah. Uh, was there a pivotal spiritual moment early on when you knew that God was calling you to Himself?
0: Yes, actually I had a simple understanding of salvation, made a simple salvation decision around four years old, but it wasn't until 11 that I came to understand what it meant to want Jesus to be Lord of my life and the word came alive at 11 years old. It just, Mm -hmm. I couldn't get enough. I was in it every day and that's when I point to that age, that's when I started seeing my heart really change and really experiencing the beginnings of that relationship with Christ.
3: I think for many of us, there was that kind of first step, get a very young age, and a little later mm-hmm. on, we understand more of what that means to let Him yeah. you know, be control in our lives. Yeah. So, yeah. Now, are you married later than you thought you might. Uh, how would you describe your singleness? Uh, were you content in those uh, in that season?
0: Hmm. Well, I yes, singleness was both difficult and beautiful. It was rich and exciting. I did so many neat things during that time. So many I was involved in a lot of neat ministries and got to experience relationship with a lot of people um, and travel. and it was really a neat season of life, but it was also not what I really wanted. (laughs) So (laughs) I was learning how to make the most of it. And um, in the midst of that, I had to fight for contentment. Um, It was not at all a normal thing in the circles I ran in. I was the only single, um, apart from another one other friend, um, a little younger than myself. Um, And no one was really ahead of me to show me what it looked like. So I was in a world of couples and families, and I just, it was disorienting. I I just didn't know how to walk it. Um, And so even as it was so fruitful, and rich and exciting, and I saw God working in that time. I wrestled hard with God, and I was—I um, <laughs> was angry sometimes. I remember screaming into my pillow. I mean, there were just times where I was falling apart. Because this was not Mm -hmm. my plan, this wasn't what I pictured, and I didn't have any frame of reference for how to live it. So it was both, you know, beautiful and bitter. And that is the the season where I learned or started learning how to go to God with my unedited emotions and the cries Mm. of my heart and unfulfilled longings, and to Um, just be honest with him and take him at his word. Even though I couldn't see what he was doing, I was learning how to bank on who he said he was in Scripture, and that started changing my heart and teaching me his love. And that's when I experienced his love for the first time in such a real dynamic way on the daily.
3: Mm -hmm. Well, I'm guessing there are a number of single adults who are hearing us today who Mm -hmm. can identify with what you're saying. Mm. Because I think for most of us, we desire to someday be married, and we mm-hmm. think it's not going to be when I'm thirty, when I'm forty, or fifty. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Talking with a lady just last week who didn't get married till she was forty-nine, you wow. know, and she said, yeah, "I did a lot of things and I accomplished a lot of things, but I, I always wanted to be married." You know, and of course wow. now she yes. is, and so, wow. yeah, so. But I I like what you said about being open and honest with God about your feelings. Mm -hmm. You know, you're not going to hurt his feelings if you share your feelings with him. Yes. Mm -hmm. Now, did you ever struggle with, uh, you know, achieving and performing in order to feel more worthwhile?
0: Absolutely. That was a struggle from way back for me um, from the very beginning um, of my life, really, as far back as I can remember. But I think it was exacerbated during singleness because I was trying to prove my <laughs> prove why I was existing <laughs> apart yeah, from yeah. being a wife and a mom in these circles where that's all I knew. I yes, I definitely struggled with trying to prove my worth in what I was doing and accomplishing and how I was. Making the most of my time. And um, I remember just even saying things to people, just trying to justify my existence at that point. Um, and God, so patient with me, and He was working with me through that false belief that I had to perform. And especially with Him, He just kept speaking to me through His Word and in my times in His presence, just that I was absolutely accepted. And precious and valuable to him, just as I was, and yet he loved me enough to not leave me where I was. Right, but he was <laughs> doing that. That was on him. That wasn't on me to have to to achieve or produce. Um, and I started learning how to be, you know, just be instead of yeah. do, do, do. Um, but that that was a long journey for me.
3: <laughs> yeah. So, how did you meet Eddie, and and how old were you when you met him?
0: Mm, I was thirty three, and. Um, We met, my brother Jonathan invited me to join his college and career group, and I was a little older (laughs) than everybody else. Um, I'm four years older than my husband, and so I was um, not really... I didn't really belong in the group, but I showed up and (laughs) um, we all jumped into different cars to drive into Los Angeles for the day. And I ended up in my future husband's car in the back seat, and he was driving and um, we chatted. And I was not open at that time. I'd gone through some hard years of different relationships and was very closed um <laughs> to anything mm. new. But he was so kind and pursued conversation. And I remember walking away thinking, That that man is really kind, even though I was so mm. closed closed off. <laughs> yeah.
1: You're hearing the moving story of Colleen Chow today on building relationships with Dr. Gary Chapman. Colleen has written a helpful resource for anyone facing struggle and loss and suffering. The book is titled, In the Hands of a Fiercely Tender God, 31 Days of Hope, Honesty, and Encouragement for the Sufferer.
2: You can find out more at buildingrelationships.us. Just go to buildingrelationships.us.
1: Now, Colleen,
3: you have a son, Jeremy. Tell us about how he's changed your life and how old is he now?
0: Mm, he is ten. He'll turn eleven soon. Um, and yes, he. I prayed for my future children. I thought I would have three to four. I started praying for them when I was a teenager. So to actually become pregnant, you know, even though I was older, that was a miracle in itself. And then to experience labor and delivery—these are gifts that I know a lot of women don't, you know, even get to experience. And I, I felt. The, the gravity of that, the miracle of that, and then to hold my son in my arms and become a mom was just, it was miraculous. Um, it changes everything, you know, in in my outlook, my priorities each day and, and why I do some of the selfless, you know, mom things that I do and um, how I look at God. I started seeing God in this new light because I had this son, my only son, um, because I couldn't have any more children. And I started identifying with God in a new way, that He had His only son who suffered Mm -hmm. and who He surrendered for the good of others. And, And just this idea of what He went through started impacting my heart as I saw my heart overflow with love for this child, love that I'd never experienced before. So in so many ways, my, my heart and my head were shaped differently after giving birth to that sweet little guy.
3: Yeah, there's something different about having a child. Uh, mm. Life changes in a sense, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> does, yeah. does it not? To think that, that you know, I'm, I'm I'm responsible for this child.
0: Yes, yeah. yes, it's not it's not about me and my comfort and my own existence anymore. And of course, some of that changes with marriage immediately, but there, it's a different, different kind of change, right? With kids.
3: Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so let me go back to the marriage a moment. D- did you and uh, and your husband uh, have struggles in the early stages of your marriage?
0: Oh yeah. <laughs> 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 I, we are both very strong-willed, very opinionated. <laughs> We passionate people. So, yeah, it was not easy. And, um, it, you know, I, in one sense, it wasn't surprising because of who we were. <laughs> but it, in mm-hmm. another sense, it was really natural and easy, which I was surprised at. So it was, mm-hmm. it was both. It's, it, it yeah. felt so natural to be married, even though I'd been single so long. It just felt like the most natural thing in the world. Um, and in another sense, it was like, you know, the ugly parts of my heart coming out, and (laughs) Um, so yeah, definitely, we had some messy... We still do. We still have our special messes, but um, yeah, I'm grateful for my husband's grace.
3: I asked that question just to see if you're human, okay? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, there's lots of humanists. (laughs) Lots of proof here. (laughs) Yeah, my experience is that all of us had struggles because we're human and we think differently, we feel differently. (laughs) Yeah. Now, let's talk about the the really hard part of your story, and that is Mm. the diagnosis.
0: Mm.
3: When did you find out? Tell us about that.
0: Yeah. Well, I found out um, the cancer was back a year ago, a little over a year ago. And then um, about maybe five, six weeks later, we heard that it was terminal. Um, So there was a a little window of time in there where we didn't know, but I had a sense that it was because we knew right away it was in my lymph nodes. And Mm. the Lord has been so gracious through this whole journey over the last five years of cancer um, to give me kind of some insights into what's coming. He's been really, really good that way. And so I did. I had this kind of this intuition that it was not going to be good news. Um,
3: mm. how, did you, how did you respond in, in hearing that word terminal? Mm.
0: Yeah, there's nothing quite like that. <laughs> there's mm. Not that that's mm. a harder suffering than other sufferings, but there's nothing quite like hearing your end is near. Um, and... Even though I had that intuition that it was it was going to be the word that I'd hear, and because of COVID and some other complications, I was alone that day um, at my doctor appointment. So I sat there just hearing, you know, this crazy news wash over me, and I was pretty strong and tough in the appointment. It, you know, nothing. I, I probably looked really put together and poised, <laughs> and even mm-hmm. as I walked out back to my car, um, I felt almost like God holding me together in that moment. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then I had to tell my son. And it, I think that's when probably the reality came crushing in. Um, yeah. And it it was a pain I've never felt before, like no other pain I've felt before. Um, because of, I, I think I would just be ready to go in a heartbeat. But because this was, you know, the beginning of saying goodbye to my husband and son mm. and huge family and and best friends and all that, um, the grief was um, at moments it felt unbearable, and I would go into my closet and so that I wouldn't overwhelm my son who was also grieving, and I would just curl up in the fetal position and wail to God. Um, mm. And mm-hmm. my head hurt, and I would lay awake at night. But still, do sometimes. But in the early days and weeks, it was—it um, it felt like someone had thrown me into the ocean without a life jacket or comms. You know, mm-hmm. it was just yeah. this crazy, yeah. otherworldly experience.
3: Yeah. Now, early on, because you said you you went through some treatments and all for five years, mm-hmm. and you said to the you said essentially that. If it hadn't been for your husband and son, you probably would not have gone through all those treatments uh, that that you went through. Is is that really your your thought as you look back on it?
0: Yeah, it really is. I I just remember in singleness being so ready to go at any time. Isn't that odd? Mm-hmm. I I just I can't wait to be with Jesus. I can't wait for the other side of things and for um the joy that's waiting for us but it, that changed you know with these deep attachments um mm-hmm. people that i love with all my heart to the point that sometimes i'm tempted to make them my idols you know because i love yeah. them so much yeah. and to think about the fact that i would go but then and and my suffering would be over but then this would create grief like no other. I mean, watching mm-hmm. my husband and son grieve is, yeah. it's like a torture to my heart because yeah. I, you know, I, I'm wired as a compassionate person anyway. And just to think that when my son faces his hardest days of darkness and grief, I will not be there to help. That's crazy yeah. stuff. And so yeah. um, it, that's, that's why I was like, oh, I'm gonna do everything I can for more time. And f- if God allows it, right, He holds my days. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah. But if He gives me more time to to coach my son through some of this, and, and I just feel like every day is a miracle because it, it's a chance to point him again to Christ and to teach him how to grieve with God in God's presence and to um, connect him with people who are going to hold up his arms when I'm gone and do things um, that some people don't get to do, in a sudden death situation so i feel very spoiled by that um Uh to be able to have treatment that will give me some more time um so it's a yeah it's definitely been a driving force
3: (laughs) yeah Yeah. my wife went through that 10 years ago and of course she she survived and is doing well you know but that whole year uh, you know with loss of hair and well, you know all that goes on with that it's just yes. it's just devastating and uh, it really but is but I, I do I do hear mm. what you're saying that you got a husband and you got a son and you're willing to try anything that will give mm. you you know a few more <laughs> days or months or years and and all the while praying that God will, uh, will you know just uh, alleviate the problem so yeah yeah and I think our listeners who have gone through that, or have family members have gone through that, are identifying with what you're saying. Now, you've written a lot about uh, engaging with God uh, in and through the Scriptures and experiencing Him in His Word uh, mm-hmm. as you've walked through this. That's really been a lifeline for you, right?
0: It really has. It it has been everything. And I always think of Deuteronomy thirty two, four forty seven, where it um, it says, you know, these words. From God are not meaningless words to you, but they are your life. And that's what mm. I've experienced. They are, they are my life itself, especially because of these hardships, which makes the word more precious and more alive. Um, and maybe some people don't need to go through hard things for that to be true, but I'm a stubborn, hard-headed one, <laughs> and I, <laughs> I, I learn slowly. And so I think that suffering has pressed me into that living active experience of God in His Word, instead of reading scripture for just head knowledge or checking off a list like, I got in the Word today, it becomes this lifeline of, if I don't stay in the Word, no one wants to be around me, and I'm not gonna make it Mm. through these crazy things. Mm. And it's such a testimony to the fact that the Word is powerful, that God speaks in it, that He has designed it so that we meet Him and experience him and hear from him and get to talk to him through through that. So, I'm just so grateful for the word and that it is my life and not just idle words.
3: Yeah. Well, what what's been your pattern in terms of spending time with God in the word? Is it like a morning thing with you? Is it afternoon or evening or tell, tell us a little bit about how that what that looks like.
0: Uh, I have been all over the map over the years, actually. I'm more of a creative person and I like a lot of variety, but I also like routine. So it's a strange mix, but my favorite Mm -hmm. thing is to get up before the sun gets up. If it's cold, light a fire, pour a cup of coffee or tea and spin that uninterrupted quiet time. But with this journey, my body um, is very slow and it struggles in the morning. (laughs) Mm. I'm um, not able to get up early like I did for different seasons. Um, And so it, it kind of is when I can get to it in in any given day right now. What I've kind of done in place of the early morning is I'll just turn on my audio Bible while I lay in bed before I can even move my body. I'm laying Mm. there listening. Typically when I'm doing the audio Bible, it's through the Psalms and just praying the Psalms back to God. So um, as David or Asaph or any of the psalmists say something to God, I'm saying it with them. And yeah. it's just given expression to so much of my heart. And then um, later in the day, I'll get... Uh, the last seven months I've spent in the book of Luke, just verse by verse, typing out questions to God or responses to God on in a Word doc on my laptop.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: And I'm about to finish up. That study and it has been so rich. And I'll use you know BlueLetterBible.org for word study or Bible Gateway for different versions. And I'll I'll yeah. look deep into some of these things that grab grab my interest or um, captivate me. And just that verse by verse, like God, what's this about? What's the context for this? What was going on in that time to make this meaningful? even to me today. Um yeah. and so that's my time to really dig deep. And some days it's only a couple of verses and some days it's more. And then sometimes in the you know car on the way to an appointment, I'm just praying scripture to God and, you know, listening for his voice and he speaks scripture back that I've hidden in my heart. Mm-hmm. So it mm-hmm. comes in a lot in a lot of forms. I've danced to, <laughs>
1: mm-hmm. <Okay>. to <laughs> before God,
0: you know, just this dancing and singing before god as in response to his word just it it, it moves me you know and so i'm an yeah. expressive type so it's come in all kinds of shapes and forms over the years
3: I hope our listeners are getting what you're saying, because sometimes <laughs> we have the idea, you know, the real spiritual people have the quiet time at four in the morning, right. you know, for two yeah. hours. Right, <laughs> right, right. When right. you're going through, going through some things, you can't do that. Yes. And I really like that idea of, of listening to someone reading the scriptures, mm. uh, you know, uh, the audio While you're even Mm. before you get out of bed, that's that's, frankly I had not thought of that one. Okay, (laughs) but but whatever exposure, you know, we're just it's exposing ourselves in whatever way we can to what God has to say to us.
1: Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for joining us today for building relationships with Dr. Gary Chapman, author of the New York Times bestseller The Five Love Languages. You can find out more about your love language and simple ways to strengthen relationships at 5lovelanguages.com. You can listen to the stream or download the podcast right there. Again, go to 5lovelanguages.com.
2: Our guest today is Colleen Chow, and we are so excited to feature her book on the broadcast. If you go to us. You'll see, In the Hands of a Fiercely Tender God, 31 Days of Hope, Honesty, and Encouragement for the Sufferer. Just go to buildingrelationships.us. As we begin this segment, I want you to hear a little of this real audio of real life. Listen as Colleen and her son sing a song together, basically from the heart, singing praise to God.
0: Be still, my
3: soul, the Lord is on their side. Through thorny ways,
0: leads
2: to the joyful end. Colleen, that is such a precious little glimpse, just a snapshot of you and your son. Tell us what, what's going on there.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, it's a, a little habit we've formed um, from when he was very, very young to um, try to, you know, hide the word in our hearts. And I need it as much as he does. Um, early on, when he was still a baby, um, God just pressed upon my spirit that his journey would be hard and he would have suffering. And I had no idea. He had health issues right away. So I knew that that might be what what I was sensing, um, that his his health was pretty poor in the beginning. And so I wanted him to have the word in his heart for whatever was to come. Um, so we did short little chanting scripture, doing little hand motions when he was a toddler. And then as he got older, we did larger and larger chunks to um, song. And it has been such a sweet thing to share because, you know, music bonds us anyway as people and it expresses our heart and then if that music is scripture it's just it's just so powerful and beautiful and so that's been just such a sweet thing for for me to share with him over the years and to leave behind for him because we often won't forget songs <laughs> mm. um, long term yeah. those will come back um, to our hearts and minds so that's been a precious yeah. privilege
3: and the memories that he will have of that too will sustain Mm, him.
0: I hope so. Mm -hmm.
3: Now, there were other seasons of suffering that you went through. Tell us about those and how they prepared you for this season.
0: Mm, Yeah, Um, definitely singleness, like we've already talked about, was um, some have thought it dramatic to say suffering, but it felt like it at the time, and um, a unique kind of suffering, emotional and um, and then, as I was, um, as I turned 30, and in the first few years of my 30s, um, little irritating physical symptoms I'd had for years were kind of exploding into this chronic illness and pain. And as I met my husband and we began dating, we were also going to specialists and doctors to try to mm-hmm. figure out what was going on. And then my son was born with a lot of complications. And so we spent, um, well, we have spent the last 13, 14 years in doctor's offices and trying to track things down and shift our diets and figure out what's going on with my body, even before cancer. And that that changed so much for me um, because I was such a go-getter, ambitious, do all the things (laughs) um, Mm -hmm. person. Um, so that was a huge shift in my life, and then a cancer diagnosis um, after all of that. So I think what those seasons did for me was what James talks about, where you know that that perseverance, that um, considering it pure joy. So that as you're persevering, you're becoming mature and complete, so that you don't lack anything. I look back over my shoulder and see that to be so true. <laughs> not that I've <laughs> not mm. that I'm mature and complete, but the process that it was beginning in me in a new way was developing this muscle memory for how to go to God with disappointment. For how to grieve in Jesus's presence and find Him and experience His love and His comfort and His goodness in the darkest days, it was you know the the year after year after year of difficulties that was training me to think in eternal terms, to look at eternal realities, and not to try to put my roots down here and love this world like I'm so prone to do. Mm-hmm. Um, so all of those skills were we already in motion when I was diagnosed with cancer, and I'm so grateful because it I had a little reference point for suffering mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and some muscle memory, um, even though this was such a different kind of suffering. I have so far to go. Like <laughs> some days, yeah. I think, "Oh my goodness, why am I? Why do I still feel like I'm on square one?" You know, I'm such mm. a baby in some ways, um, and haven't developed in some areas. But in other areas, to see how God has used suffering in such powerful ways to work on my heart and my brain and my habits, and um, it's such a gift from Him. I would not go back and, and change any of those seasons because of yeah. the fruit and the beauty that's come out of them.
3: Yeah. You know that word from Peter on count it all joy, and there's some yes. Christians are saying, wait a minute, <laughs> it's not joyful, you know, <laughs> right. and it's not, it's not a pleasant experience. But he's talking about our perspective, isn't he? He so said, you count it all joy, you, 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 you see it as a part. Of what God is doing in your life,
0: yes, yes, it really is. It's, and it's strange how the kingdom of God is upside down to us, right, and inside out mm, and backwards. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. But he, when he says something like that, it really, there's so, it's all true. It, it's just we have to plow through so much hardship to to see it come true. I think we want the easy button, right? Like, yeah. I want to experience joy the (laughs) the easy way, Mm -hmm. (laughs) but there's so much joy on the other side of the cross, like Jesus modeled for us, so much joy on the other side of that cross that we can't anticipate, we can't fathom until we get on that cross, until we take up our cross Mm -hmm. daily. Um, And then we start seeing the reality of what, what Christ has promised to us.
3: Yeah, yeah.
2: Colleen, you've written, suffering is one of the most powerful ways to know God's goodness and love in a broken world. That's kind of counterintuitive. It's like, wait, (laughs) suffering is a powerful way to know God's goodness? Why do you think that's true?
0: Hmm. I think because, at least for my own experience, I am so prone to shallow dreams um, and substitute loves. I'm just, my heart is full of folly. And especially looking back, um, I'm 46 years old now and looking back over several decades and seeing that the dreams that I first had, I think in rough, they were planted there by God, right? In my heart, but they were just so full of me and so full of this world and comfort. And so I would have cheated myself. I would have missed out on so much had I just lived out those shallow dreams. And I think what suffering does is it presses us to the one thing we really, really want, we really are made for, is God himself. And we are so quick to cheat ourselves of the experience of God, the, the fullness of his presence and his joy and his love and his peace and his purposes for us that are far, far greater than our little dreams. And I think suffering, when something takes us by surprise and we go, wait, what? This isn't what I planned. And it pushes us out of that little comfort zone that we've created for ourselves, and pushes us into the arms of love and into the arms of the one who has far greater dreams for us than we have for ourselves, Mm -hmm. not in a worldly- Way to measure dreams or success, but in an infinitely eternal one, and I think that is why suffering captivates people because it's it it arrests our attention. It's it's painful, and it's in all the stories that we love the most. Right, it's suffering that compels us to keep reading that story or watching that movie because it is compelling and. In itself, suffering is not worthwhile, it, it doesn't have any value. But when God takes it and uses it in our life, it is infinitely valuable. And it shows the world the goodness of God, because now we're out of the way, right? It's
1: mm-hmm.
0: um, it's what Paul said, that as death is at work in us, the life of Jesus is being portrayed. And so as we're dying to ourself and our dreams and our selfishness, people can more clearly see God in and through us because now we're getting out of the way. And mm-hmm. I mean, he's using us. It's our, you know, he uses our story, but now it's not all about us. It's all about him. And that is what the world longs for. They, they long mm-hmm. to see someone find love in the worst, darkest days and not just live a comfortable life and have you know lots of money and perfect successful children and in model marriage. That's ultimately that's not what what the world wants to see in in Christians and they're disillusioned by Christians who want to have everything in the world plus God. Um, but mm-hmm. when they see someone suffer in the presence of Jesus, it is compelling. That's, those are the people who have changed me and have influenced me so deeply over the years.
2: Yeah. What you're saying is you're living out – C.S. Lewis, God whispers to us in our pleasures, speaks in our consciences, mm. but shouts in our pains.
0: <laughs> you're <laughs> yes. saying
2: that you can be – if you're going through suffering, you can be that megaphone that God uses to speak to others in the middle of what you're struggling with.
0: I love that so perfectly said. Yes, that's it, that's it. And I think we have very small voices when we are so comfortable in this world, and it doesn't have to be cancer that points, you know, helps people see Jesus Mm -hmm. in us. It can just be um, a suffering, a, a kind of a mundane day suffering that we take to God and we. We experience His presence, and that shows the world a different way and a different different kind of God than I think we've portrayed God to be in our comfort.
1: This is Building Relationships with Dr. Gary Chapman, author of the New York Times bestseller, The Five Love Languages. We're hearing from Colleen Chow today, author of In the Hands of a Fiercely Tender God, 31 Days of Hope, Honesty, and Encouragement for the Sufferer,
2: Find out more at buildingrelationships.us, buildingrelationships.us.
3: Colleen, I think most of us would say, if the subject of death comes up, we would say, well, we all know we're going to die. But when we have had a diagnosis that is terminal and we're facing the reality that death is coming much earlier than I anticipated... It does give us a different framework from which to face the rest of our mm. lives, right?
0: It really does. And I don't you wish we could experience it before the terminal diagnosis or before yes. the deathbed? Mm. Use that? Mm. I was just thinking yesterday, what a precious gift God has given me that every single day I think oh my goodness, I have another day, it's such a gift, and I don't know how mm. much longer I have, but look what I get to do today. Um, yeah. And that is a phenomenal and sometimes weighty and painful and bitter reality, but it is a beautiful gift. And I think a, a yeah. lot of people in history and different cultures have experienced more of that than we have in a day where we have so much good medical care and health and... Yeah. Um, we're probably an exception to the historical rule <laughs> here yeah, in America. Yeah. Now
3: you, uh, you alluded at one juncture to how other people have shown love to you and God's mm. love to you. Share a little bit about that.
0: We have been surrounded with encouraging messages and cards in the mail and groceries at our doorstep and... People who will whisk away my son to give him fun somewhere um, and build mm. joy into him in the season, and people who will text my husband to check in on him. I could go on and on. We've you know, been given money for medical expenses, and um, mm. people have shifted their gatherings to our home so I could be part of it from my recliner. <laughs> like,
1: mm. Just
0: incredible, mm. thoughtful, beautiful ways that people have... Loved us so well, and I felt very spoiled and and humbled by those kind of gifts.
3: (laughs) What would you encourage our listeners to do if uh, their friends or family members are are going through the kind of thing that you're going through?
0: I love that kind of question. Um, I think it's hard to answer in one sense because everyone's so different. But I Mm. think from my own experience and then talking with quite a few others who have gone through this journey, The ability for someone to be so gentle and take pressure off. And for example, to message that suffering one and just love on them without any expectation of a response and just say, I just love you. And I, you know, I can't imagine what this is like for you, but I am here praying and with you. Um, And then another way. That has been really meaningful. Has been um, people loving on my husband and son. I think what often happens is the the cancer patient um, gets all the attention, <laughs> and, mm. um, and and it, it makes sense in, right? and right. And on one hand, it makes sense um, that that would be the main focus. But I tell you what, I, when someone loves on my husband and my son, my heart soars. Um, so just, and I know it's, it's harder typically for men to reach out to other men. We've, we've seen that a lot in the past years, women just intuitively know how to enter in and, you know, empathize and nurture and all that, (laughs) but for, for other men to reach out to a husband, um, and care for him is, is really, really meaningful, um, and to see how he's doing and to, um. To enter into his experience is really, really um, significant, and to think yeah. of the children, if there are children involved, and um, so that's been such a, a neat thing for people. When I when people have asked, I've I've said those two things, um, and one thing I I say quickly too is to hold off on shooting a verse to someone who's just heard a hard mm-hmm. diagnosis, um, mm-hmm. to just. Um, kind of learn from Job's friends <laughs> and yeah. to be willing to sit in the grief and be silent and just be present and understand that it is so overwhelming and so all-consuming, especially at the beginning. And then there will be a time to to share scriptural encouragement. But um, I, when I have friends you know, get a diagnosis now, um, I'm very slow to share scripture, even though that sounds so mm-hmm. weird, because I love scripture uh-huh. with all my heart, but it can come across yeah. trite and and hurtful. Yeah. So, But we have been, yeah, so many people have modeled well how to do this, and I have used their model to do it for others, and it's been a blessing. Yeah.
3: Well, you've taken time in the midst of all this to write this book. Uh, tell us, uh, what are your hopes for this book? in the hands of a fiercely tender God. What do you want readers to take away as they read about your life and your experience?
0: You know, I hope that my experience and them into a deeper experience of Christ's comfort and love and joy. I wrote the book um, gently. I tried to be really gentle and not write a big treatise on suffering. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> because I'm not, the ex- I'm not the expert on this, but just to share, gently share my experience and how we can enter into a deeper, increasingly beautiful experience of Christ. It gets better and better and better the deeper we go. And so that's what I would hope would be the takeaway from that book, um, that someone would experience more of Christ in very real, tangible ways through the darkest days of their lives.
3: Well, Colleen, let me thank you for, first of all, writing this book, because I know I'm a writer, and I know it takes effort and time and energy (laughs) uh, to write a book. And uh, I want to thank you for doing that. And thank you for being with us today and sharing uh, enough about this book that I hope our listeners uh, will get a copy. And even if they're not going through something like this, get it, read it, and think about a friend that might could use this book as a gift. So May God continue to guide you on the journey, and I know he will.
0: Thank you so much for this time. It has been such a joy to to chat with you, and I appreciate your ministry so much. Thank you.
2: What an encouraging conversation with Colleen Chow, one of our best of broadcasts of this past season. If you go to the website, you'll see her book, In the Hands of a Fiercely Tender God. Just go to buildingrelationships.us. That's buildingrelationships.us. And coming up in one week on another Best Of program, the Bible's
1: plan for men and women regarding sexuality. And remember, you can find simple ways to strengthen relationships at 5lovelanguages.com. A big thank you to our production team, Steve Wick and Janice Backing, Building Relationships with Dr. Gary Chapman is a production of Moody Radio in association with Moody Publishers a ministry of Moody Bible Institute. Thanks for listening.